All right. Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good to, to see you all today. And uh, thanks for taking time out of your Sunday to be with us here in our church gatherings. And if I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Tyson. I'm one of the pastors on the team here this morning. Uh, in case you didn't see it, I was the guy who booted the light down the stairs there while I was going to pray for people. So that was great. Uh, and if you don't know me, you might be wondering to yourself this morning, why is he wearing such a beautiful jersey today? And there's at least a few reasons why I'm wearing this jersey today. The first one is I'm a Blue Jays fan, and this week, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. won the Home Run Derby, so that's pretty awesome and exciting. I also get a chance this week to go down to Seattle to watch the Blue Jays play, and I'm excited about that. And uh, when I wear this jersey, at least two things happen. The first is, I bear the name of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and I'm showing the world that I am a fan of his. I like the way that he plays. I'm, I like what he's about. I, I like Vladdy. The second thing is, I, in a small way, represent the Toronto Blue Jays, and as I go down to Seattle, people are going to look at me and associate me with the Blue Jays. Now, to just be upfront this morning, I am not someone who refers to me and the Blue Jays as we. If you are someone who is a sports fan who say, yeah, we had a great game today. No, you did not. You watched from your couch. No matter how hard you cheered, you did not affect the outcome of that game. And as I, as I represent the Blue Jays in a very small way, there is a small amount of recognition and awareness. When I go somewhere, people see me as a fan of the team. One time I went out, I was wearing a Blue Jays hat, and this guy came up to me and he said, boo, Blue Jays suck, don't care. I didn't ask for the feedback, but he was certainly ready to give it. And for your information, this was not like at a Yankees game where you're expecting that kind of thing. This was in the superstore in Langford. <laughs> I got booed in a superstore. I did not have that one on my bingo card, I'll tell you that much. And when I step out in public wearing Blue Jays gear, I show people that I belong to the community of fans of that team. Now you might hate sports and that is okay. I will pray for you this morning. But you also show in some ways who you are affiliated with based on what you wear sometimes. Do you have a favorite t-shirt or a brand or an organization that you represent? Do you have clothes from the school that you went to or maybe your workplace that you wear out in public? Community is often expressed through belonging to certain groups. And when we wear things like t-shirts or jerseys, it shows others who we belong to. And similarly, as followers of Jesus, we are collectively a part of the kingdom of God. And as members of that kingdom, when we step out into public, we bear God's name. We represent him. Kind of similar to how I wear, represent wearing this Blue Jays jersey. And when I go down to Seattle this week ahead, people can look at me and go, okay, is he a good fan? Is he someone who cheers nicely, is respectful? Or is he a belligerent fan who's kind of being annoying? And people will associate who I am because I'm wearing this jersey with Blue Jays fans in general. And so today, we're going to talk about what it means to represent God well by how we honor his name. And if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be turning to Exodus chapter 20, and verse 7 is where we're going to be focusing today. If you don't have your Bibles with you, it'll be on the screens for you to follow along with me this morning. And so Exodus chapter 20, verse 7 says this, do not misuse the name of the Lord your God, because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. 
You might be more familiar with the King James language of this. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Let's pray as we've read God's word together. Jesus, I pray that you would open up our eyes to see what you want us to see today. I pray that you would open our ears to be receptive to what you want to speak to us and and ready our hearts for, for what our action is off of this, Lord. I pray that as we listen to your word this morning and as I speak, Lord, that you would take these words and use them to point us ultimately to you, Jesus. We would walk out of this place looking and reflecting you more to this world around us. In your name we pray these things, Lord. Amen. Now, I'm going to ask a question in just a minute here, and I'm not looking for verbal responses. I'm not looking for examples. Just to clarify that. How many people remember your first encounter with cussing or swearing? Okay. I remember mine vividly. I was in kindergarten in bigger Saskatchewan. My kindergarten teacher was Mrs. Donahue. And I don't remember a lot about Mrs. Donahue. One of the only memories I have that's burned into my mind is at the end of the school year when my family wanted a picture with Mrs. Donahue, she's right behind my head and she said, don't get too close or you'll get my mustache in the picture. I don't know why that's burned in there, but it's there now. But that's not the only memory I have from kindergarten. I remember one day at recess, my friend showed me a new hand gesture. He showed me his middle finger. And I had no idea what it meant, so I proceeded to return the favor to him. And he told me, you can't do that, Tyson. That's a bad thing. But I didn't believe him. So I proceeded for the rest of that recess to run around showing this new hand gesture to anyone and everyone I saw. I really wanted to test drive this thing. It was new to me, so I just kind of was spending the whole recess just showing this amazing new hand gesture that I was not supposed to to everyone. And someone told a teacher pretty quickly, and I got taken inside and got in a lot of trouble from Mrs. Donahue. And with a start like that, all I can say is I'm standing here today by God's grace and good parenting. Now, back to the passages that we read. Growing up, I remember this passage being used to discourage swearing or cussing, especially if it had God's name in it. Does anyone else like that? Don't take the Lord's name in vain. I remember my grandma going, growing up, anytime we would say the word holy, if you're like surprised and you say holy cow or something like that, she would stop us right there and she would go, only God is holy no matter what we were saying. And she trained all of us as grandkids so well that my two younger cousins who were twins, if I would say holy around them, they would just say it in stereo, only God is holy. (laughs) I guess kind of creepy, but it was drilled in us. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. And for a long time, I thought that this passage was all about cussing. And anytime I would get close to it, I would just hear, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Anybody else have a similar experience? And over the years, I've come to realize that while avoiding cussing is a good idea, and there, I would add, there are plenty of places in scripture that you can go to and point where it's actually a good idea to be wise of our words and avoid cussing. This passage is about a lot more than just having a list of words to say and not say. And if you haven't been with us over the first couple weeks of this new series, we are going through the Ten Commandments in a series called Relationship Over Rule. And Pastor Sean has done an awesome job of taking a look at the first two words that God gives, the first two pronouncements or commands that God gives in, you shall have no other gods before me and you shall have no idols or substitutes. And last week, he gave us this great acronym, Gives FM Radio, Show Me Your Massel, 
to remember the Ten Commandments. And you'll have to ask him what that sentence means because it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But it helps us remember the Ten Commandments. And as I just mentioned, this series is called Relationship Over Rule. And the reason for this is because we often approach something like the Ten Commandments as a list of rules. Here are 10 things that I can or can't do. And in this series, we wanna see that these 10 words or pronouncements from the Lord come out of relationship. God gave his laws to Israel not so that they could earn salvation or redemption, The story of Exodus, the first 19 chapters of Exodus, shows that God has already saved and redeemed Israel. He has brought them out of Egypt, out of the slavery that they were in, and has now called them to be his own people. They weren't keeping the laws to save themselves. They had already been saved. But in light of that salvation, these laws are given to define the relationship. Here's the way that Old Testament theologian Christopher Wright sums this idea up. Seen in this constructive light, the Ten Commandments become a kind of bill of rights for redeemed people living in covenantal freedom. Rights characteristically framed in the language of responsibilities and boundaries. Look at what God has delivered the Israelites from and how, by contrast, God now wants them to live in the new reality of the land ahead responsibilities and boundaries. Every good relationship has responsibilities and boundaries to it. Human relationships and our relationship with God. And after God has saved Israel from Egypt, moving forward, Israel will now bear the name of Yahweh to all of the nations around them. To every people that they come into contact with, they will be a representation of the name of Yahweh. And when people ask who their God was, Israel would respond, Yahweh. He was the one who saved us and delivered us from Egypt. And in this covenant relationship, Israel was uniquely entrusted with the name of God, the name of Yahweh. In the Old Testament, the generic word for God or spiritual beings is the the Hebrew word Elohim. It's a generic word for God, but in Exodus chapter three, God gives Moses his personal name, Yahweh. And he says, I want to enter into a personal relationship with Israel, my people. And in the ancient Near East, there was a sense of reverence and awe for the power of the name of the gods. The names of gods were regarded as powerful and they were handled with care and fear. There was power in a name. And you probably know this to be somewhat true still today. There's still power in certain people's names. If you say the right name, you can get into places. Doors can be opened. Say you're trying to get a reservation at at a really upscale restaurant and you know the owner, you know the head chef. If you drop the right name, you can get that door open and get the reservation. He might hate this illustration, but Pastor Sean's name has power around here. If I wanna make a purchase on behalf of the church and I go to Karen, our bookkeeper, if I say, Pastor Sean has signed off on this, it will most likely go through as long as it's not ridiculous. (laughs) You could say, there's power in the name of Jesus. I'm not gonna say Sean, come on people. That's all the singing for today, I promise. No, Josh, it's not gonna happen. When we use a name, we imply relationship and also that the name that we are representing is pleased with our behavior. When I use Sean's name in that setting, I am implying that he and I have a relationship and that he has co-signed my purchase. 
And it was in the name of Yahweh that Israel was set free from Egypt. The power of the name of Yahweh had just been displayed. Ten plagues happened to Egypt. Israel is set free and God has opened up the Red Sea so that they can go through to freedom. The power of the name of Yahweh has just been displayed so it is without doubt. Israel is now the one who is going to bear that name moving forward. You could say Israel is kind of wearing a Team Yahweh jersey, so when they move forward in freedom, when people look at them, it will be a reflection of Yahweh's character. And this is why misusing God's name is such a big deal, and why God says to Israel, do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. In our passage for today, the word misuse, or the word vain from the KJV, carries with it the idea of emptiness, of nothingness, of falsehood. It's the same word that's used in Psalm 12:2, where it says, everyone utters lies to his neighbor. With flattering lips and a double heart they speak. You could describe it as hollow or double talk, saying one thing but doing another. And there are at least two ways that we can do that when it comes to God's name. Two ways that we can misuse it or take it in vain. The first one is empty words. As I mentioned just a minute ago, our words have weight to them. A name has power to it. And the right name can open a door. And in scripture, we find many places where it shows our words can have powerful effect for both good and for, for, for bad or evil. Proverbs 15, one to four says this, a gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge attractive, but the mouth of fools blurts out foolishness. The tongue that heals is a tree of life, but a devious tongue breaks the spirit. Proverbs 16, four, pleasant, are, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the taste and health to the body. Proverbs 25.18, a person giving false testimony against his neighbor is like a club, a sword, or a sharp arrow. Jumping ahead to the New Testament, and consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the, small, though the tongue is small, part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest. I know I said that this message wasn't just about cussing or swearing, but I want us to see today that your words have weight to them. People will often say sticks and stones may break your bones, but names or words can never hurt you. And I just want to say today, that's junk. Bones will heal. You can ask Pastor James. His hand is just healed. It's good to go now. Give it a couple weeks and bones will heal. But sometimes the words that have been spoken over you, the names that have been said over you, can stick to your identity for decades. Words have weight to them. So let me ask you these questions. Do your words align with the name that you are bearing today? Do your words sound like Jesus? Do they reflect him well? Or are they at odds with the name that you bear? A few years ago, when I was a young adults pastor in Saskatoon, I was playing in a recreational basketball league. And if you don't know this about me, uh, I can be pretty competitive when it comes to games and when it comes to sports. Uh, my wife and I have a running joke in our household that when we play board games with each other, we are no longer married. 
we are actively trying to beat the other person at the game. That is our only goal. It is just how we show our love to each other. And so when it comes to basketball, sometimes I can get a little bit too competitive. And in one game, I was playing against a team and the other team actually had a whole bunch of young adults that I was the pastor of on the other team. And the game was going great. First few minutes were good. I had scored a couple baskets. Our team was winning. I was excited. It was great. I grabbed a rebound and I went to rip and go up court. And this guy at half court slides in front of me like this. And I ran right into him. Now, if you know basketball, that should be called a blocking foul. You can't just slide in front of someone and, and take a contact. You have to be set and be still before you get contacted. And so I was sure, the ref blows his whistle, and I was sure I was going to get a blocking call. We were going to get the ball on the side. And the ref blows his whistle, and I turn around, and the ref has called an offensive foul on me. I was shocked. And I shared with the referee as I went back on defense how shocked I was. I dropped the ball and I said to him, well, that was a terrible call, to which he immediately gave me a technical foul for being unsportsmanlike. And I had to go and sit out the rest of the whole first half on the bench. And as I'm sitting on the bench that day, I was sitting there reflecting and I looked out and I realized the other team that we're playing against is full of young adults that I'm their pastor. That whole team just saw their pastor get a technical foul because he couldn't keep his mouth shut. And in that moment, I just felt this gentle reminder from the Lord, Tyson, you represent me everywhere, even the basketball court. And after the game, I, I went up and apologized to the refs and the guys on the other team, but those words that I said were already out there. It's kind of like toothpaste. You can't get it back in the tube. And there are so many ways that our words can carry weight to them. And that day served as a reminder for me, I represent Jesus everywhere I go. I bear his name everywhere. And you do too. So let me ask you this question. Do your words show that? Are you quick to build up others and encourage them? Or are you quick to be critical and to tear them down? Do you speak well of other people or do you gossip when they're not around and use that as a way to connect with others? Are your words your bond or do you say one thing but you do another thing when no one is looking? Are you slow to speak or do you let whatever is on your mind out of your mouth regardless of the damage it does? Even if it's telling a referee he made a terrible call. Everywhere we go, we bear his name. Do our words show that? Our words are the first way that we can take his name in vain. They can be empty, they can be useless, and they can be destructive. And the second way that we can take his name in vain is our walk. We can have an empty walk. One of my favorite fruits is an avocado. Do we have any avocado people in the room today? I love me some guacamole. Come on, get that epicure in there, get it going. It's delicious. But have you ever had this experience? You're all ready to cut into an avocado. You crack it open with a knife and it's rotten inside. Is there anything worse than that? Come on. No avocado toast for you. No chips and guac. It's done. You go and look, it looks great on the outside, but you cut into it and it's rotten. Sometimes as Christians, we can kind of be like that avocado. On the outside, we carry his name. We look good to everyone else, but we don't carry his character. And I believe Jesus is saying to us today, my name should not represent an empty symbol. 
It should actually affect your life. How you walk should be shaped by me. Are you shaped by God's name? Is your character, your joy, your kindness, your peace, your love shaped by the name that you bear? And God is saying to Israel then and to us today, you bear my name so it should show up in how you live. John Tyson, a pastor from New York, puts it really simply. He says, how you live is what you believe. Everything else is just talk. How we live is what we believe. Everything else is just talk. We might have the right words, but our actions are in fact not aligned with our words. I have a, a brother who lives in New York, and for my birthday this year, he sent me this hat. And this hat is a New York Yankees hat. <laughs> and on my son's birthday, he also sent my son a New York Yankees hat. I love my brother so much. If you don't know, if you're not a sports fan, the New York Yankees are the arch nemesis of this team who I am actually a fan of. And I tried to wear it a couple times, but I just couldn't do it. I'm sorry. I love my brother, but I can't do it. Now, if I went to a baseball game where the Yankees were playing against the Blue Jays and I was wearing this hat, please don't take a picture of me, and I was wearing this hat, and if every time something good happened for the Yankees, I stood up and cheered, and I was pumped about it, and I was excited, and every time something good happened for the Blue Jays, I stood up and I started booing. If you came up to me and you were wondering what team I was actually a fan of, the first thing you'd probably say is, that guy is confused and weird. But after that, you'd probably assume that I was a Yankees fan because even though I was wearing a Blue Jays jersey, my actions pointed towards being a Yankees fan. And if you came up to me and you asked me, what team are you cheering for? And I replied, look at my jersey. Isn't it obvious I'm a Blue Jays fan? You would probably be like, no, it is not obvious that you're a Blue Jays fan. And I wonder if sometimes the biggest thing hindering people from coming to faith is that we are wearing the jersey of Jesus, but our actions don't line up with it. We're wearing the jersey of Jesus. We're proud to talk about Jesus. We're proud to say that we're followers of his, but our lives don't actually line up with it. And when people look at it, they're confused. They're disoriented. They say, I see the jersey, but it doesn't line up with everything else that I'm seeing. I'm going to take this hat off and I'll, I'll face it away from you so you don't have to look at it. <laughs> They're called the evil empire for a reason, okay? Our words may say one thing, but our walk says something completely different. And there's actually a legal name for when our words are not aligned with reality and it affects someone else. When one person does it to another party, it's called defamation. And defamation is this, it's communication about a person that tends to hurt their reputation. It causes people who read or hear the communication to think less of the person. In 2017 in New Hampshire, a mortgage specialist named Mike Gill was accused of defamation for using his digital billboard outside of his offices to target businessmen, lawyers, politicians, and judges in the area. He put up images of certain people who were powerful in his area, and he would write things like drug dealer or extortionist beside them. And he made similar references to these men on TV, online, and on radio. 
And so three men sued Mike Gill, claiming that his words were completely false and that they had hurt his, their families and their livelihoods. And a New Hampshire jury deliberated on the evidence in the case and found that Gill was guilty of defamation and awarded these three men $274.5 million as a result of the defamation. Gill's words were not aligned with reality. And this idea of defamation had me asking this question, does God have a defamation case against me? Do my words say one thing, but when people look at my life, they don't see it actually aligned with his name? Do I bear his name, but parts of my life are not aligned with who Jesus is? G.K. Chesterton, the, the famed theologian and Christian, said this, the only good argument against Christianity is Christians. Now, maybe that's a little bit blunt, but let me ask you the question, does God have a case against you? Have you defamed his name? And the answer, let me cut, cut through attention, the answer for all of us is yes. None of our lives are perfect. If we were put on trial, there would be evidence that you could have brought against you and there'd be evidence against me showing how I have defamed his name, how you maybe have defamed his name. And the sad part is the world notices. When our words and our walk are not aligned, the world notices. That is a consequence of our actions and it sometimes hinders people from coming to God. And while there's a case to be made against each one of us for defaming God's name, I want you to know today that if you are in Christ Jesus, the case against you has been dismissed. The good news of the gospel is yes, we are guilty. There is a case against each one of us. But we, even though we have been found guilty, Jesus has taken that verdict on himself. And instead of allowing us to feel the weight of our own guilty verdict, he took it on his shoulders on the cross. And he has not come to condemn us, but to free us. And this is why we can now choose to live bearing his image. The aim is Jesus for all of us. But when we all inevitably fall short of that mark, our call is to go back to him and to what he has done for us, to ask for forgiveness and walk in light of the amazing love and grace that he has given to us. You do not have to hide it. You do not have to deflect or minimize your shortcomings. Jesus already knows them and he has already called you loved and already given his life for you. That is the good news of the gospel. It is far worse than we could ever imagined in our own brokenness, but it is also far better because the grace of God covers all of that brokenness. And this is why when we come up against those gaps in our lives between our words and our walk, between how we bear the name of Jesus and the reality of our lives currently, it is not meant to produce shame or condemnation, but instead to bring about repentance and a greater degree of humility. You could put it this way, when we see a disconnection, it's an invitation to course correction. It's not, it's not meant to keep us stuck, it's not meant to make us feel belittled, to make us feel condemned and ashamed, it's actually meant to bring a course correction in our, in our lives. We all need course corrections. None of us set out and go perfectly in the right direction for our entire lives. We all need minor course corrections along the way. And as followers of Jesus, we get the honor of bearing his name and his love to the rest of this earth. And your life, 
through your walk and your words can honor his name and point people to who God is. The more grace we have received, the more forgiveness we have understood and received, the more we get to know God and the more we understand how important it is that we are his representatives to this world offering that same grace and forgiveness in his name. As followers of Jesus, you have the opportunity to show the world who God is. What a powerful and amazing responsibility. We get to bear his name everywhere we go. And it's why we can't have empty talk and an empty walk. It's why we can't bear his name in vain. Church, most people will never pick up a Bible, but they'll see your life. And that's why today the question for all of us is, we're we're bearing the name, but are we doing it in vain? We're bearing the name of Jesus. What do people see when they look at that and when they read the gospel that is our lives? The good news, does it actually point people to Jesus? Church, we are all bearing his name when we walk out of this place. When you go home today, when you go to your workplace, your schools, wherever you may go, you represent Jesus everywhere you go. So that is why we can't bear it in vain. Let's pray today. Jesus, I thank you for my friends who are in this room this morning. And if you have brought something to mind as we have been looking at your word today, something that is in our lives that's not aligned with you, maybe it's the way we are using our words and there's something that we know we need to submit to you and surrender to you. Maybe it's the way that we are speaking to our spouse or how angry we are when it comes to our workplace. Maybe it's how we treat those who are underneath us or report to us. If there is something, Lord, in our lives that you are bringing to the forefront, Holy Spirit, I pray that today we would submit it to you and surrender it to you asking for you, Holy Spirit, to bring wholeness and healing in this area. And so, God, I thank you today that you have not left us alone in this work, but you have given us your Holy Spirit to walk with us, to point us to you, Jesus, to give us that invitation to course correction in our lives. Jesus, it is such an amazing responsibility today that you give to us, that we get to bear your name to this world. Forgive us when we have done that poorly. Forgive me, Lord, when I've done it poorly and I've been more of a hindrance than a help to people seeing who you are. And so for all of us today, Lord, give us the strength to walk out of here, bearing your name well to this world, being filled with the fruit of your spirit, being filled with your life and your love for the world around us this week. Jesus, help us to bear your name well. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks so much, church, for being with us today. And if you're new to faith, if you're wondering what following Jesus is all about, I encourage you to text the word LIFE to 250-478-7113. And one of our pastors would love to to start this journey with you, answer any questions you might have about faith, about Jesus. Uh, We'd love to walk with you, and it'd be our privilege. Uh, If you're brand new today, we're grateful that you're here. And if you want to connect with one of our pastors, uh, Pastor Josh is over in our Welcome Center back there, and he'd love to meet you and say hi here at Liberty, your story today too. Uh, Have an amazing rest of your week, church, and go and bear his name well this week.